0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses seeing seal with the buggles. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. On this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver. I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as they share their recent experience seeing Seal with the Buggles. Nice. All right, we did. gentlemen. We
1: did. Long time no see, gentlemen.
0: Long I... time no see. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> nothing exciting going on here. How are you guys this this uh, fine evening?
2: Yeah, we survived the uh, the, the plane back. It was a little delayed, a little funky, but you know.
0: Uh...
1: There was like a gremlin in the luggage compartment. I <laughs> think is is what it was.
0: Is, is that what it was?
1: It, so it's like a weird sound. noise. It's a yeah. normal sound that you hear on every flight. Like they they say, you know, they they're, they tell everybody, prepare for takeoff. And you hear this sort of like, it sounds very briefly like a saw <laughs> going across like metal. And it goes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and <laughs> except, and then it stops. But it wouldn't stop. It just kept going and going and going. Yeah, it yeah, sounded yeah. like, it sounded like there was like. I don't know, like a beaver trying to gnaw its way through so the floor. What,
2: so I think it was the HVAC system, because they said we have to run a test, but when we run the test, we turn off the AC, therefore you can't be on the plane because it's temperatures, humans can't survive, blah, blah, blah. So,
0: so, so wait a second, you guys are sitting on the plane, and it's listening. making this noise? And then yeah, they fix it, and just, then you have to just, get back in the same plane and go, well, I hope this one works.
1: Oh, oh, it gets great, though, because they were, like, ready for takeoff. So we pushed away from the gate. We wheeled out a little bit. They're like – they went through the whole safety precautions. They said, <laughs> okay, prepare for takeoff. And then this noise started, and it kept going and going and going. And they had already sort of foreshadowed by saying before they could push off, they needed to get the maintenance log book back from whoever had it. Oh, God. And <laughs> so then they said, okay, we're going to, they couldn't get it fixed. They're going to have to go back to the gate. However, once we had vacated our gate, someone else had taken our spot.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: there were no other spots available for American Airlines in Houston.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we had to sit on the runway for like another half hour so that The plane that took our spot could go and take off, and then we coasted back in, and then we deplaned, and then we wandered around, uh, what was it, Gate A or Terminal A for, I don't know, a half an hour,
0: and then they asked us back on. There you go. Now, excuse me, all of this occurred in the Houston airport, and so this was on Sunday— you gentlemen were down in Houston on Friday night to see the tease show of Seal with the Buggles opening. Now, obviously, um, I, Paul, had you seen Seal before this show? Was I the only I had person never seen Seal before? Okay, so I was the I'm the only person who up until this past Friday had seen Seal. That's impressive. In the nineties, yeah, yeah, I saw him. I wanna say uh, it was, when did Open Your Eyes come out? It was that sort of vintage. So I think it was probably somewhere around his second or third record. Because I wanna say, and I'll have to go back and, and I check I feel like this. it was
1: around his third third record. I think, yeah, I yeah. think it
0: was. I, I And I wanna say I saw him at a venue that no longer exists called the Bronco Bowl, which is where I also saw the Open Your Eyes tour. And it was really something to see. And the coolest thing about that show was that Tony Levin was on tour with yeah. him then.
2: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> which okay. was
0: just just great. Like, he opened up with, I think it was Killer. And so Tony was just, you know, playing his bass line on a synth, like, on the record. And Tony mm-hmm. Levin still kicks ass doing that. It's amazing. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm
0: and and so when you guys were coming down we had seen that Seal was going to be in Houston the night that you were planning to arrive which was really cool and then i want to say it was a little bit before we noticed or were told that the buggles were going to be there and obviously Wild. you know the buggles it, we we could make the the sort of stretch on the progressive palaver about seal with his connection obviously through production of trevor horn Use of Tony Levin on the early records. I think Seal has sort of morphed himself into more of a, a standards kind of guy. But you guys can can tell me that, um, you know, where we go uh, based well, on he's, that.
1: You know, he's just paying the bills, Joe. Yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, that's all. But with remixes of his old stuff and uh, you know the the good the standards, just like all the great singers do. Yeah, Elvis did it for crying out loud.
0: Well who's going to argue with elvis and, and but so we could have made that stretch but when the buggles are going to be there you know now suddenly with the obvious yes connection between drama and fly from here this becomes you know even more compelling from our perspective too, too good to be true
1: although it may be more accurate to say that there was a buggle there
0: okay right and that's yeah. one of the questions that that I had. Would it be the Buggles or a Buggle? A Buggle. Um, it was a Buggle. It was a <laughs> Buggle because so with, presumably Jeff Downs is like you know he's got a day job now that doesn't got include. his hands
1: filled. Yeah, yeah, he's got like three albums coming out.
0: Three I mean,
2: at this point, I you know, I don't think. Trevor has to tour with Jeff. I mean, Jeff's price tag may be a little too high. I mean, uh, you know, Trevor has an incredible set of musicians. I want your reaction, Joe. I know, I know, you're a big fan of Tony Levin, but did you foresee that uh, Trevor Horn himself would be playing bass for Seal?
0: Wait, Trevor Horn played bass for Seal. I wanted your reaction on that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And, the the exact same band for the buggles changed their clothes took different places on the stage and became the band for seal
0: you're yes. kidding me
2: yes it, it was the classic
1: classic you know, this is like the oldest <laughs> trick in the book right where, where one band goes as two but it, it was truly like seal got his band together and and you know clearly you know seal is very very fond of his lifelong relationship with trevor and their partnership and it seems like he very much wanted trevor to be a part of this tour because of the celebration of like the 30 uh, the 30-ish anniversary of his first two records but it was i mean when when seal came out and the band started i was like man that guitar player is wearing the same hat (laughs) that the Buggles guitar player was wearing. And then I looked around, and then I saw Trevor on bass, and I was like, it's the same band, man.
0: (laughs) That is amazing. You know, because that was the big question, right? Like, when we saw the Buggles, it was like, well, who's going to comprise the Buggles at this point? And I was never able to find any information online prior to the show that answered that question for me. It was all just talking about Trevor Horn, This is very interesting. Um, And I guess that that relationship between Seal and Trevor is fascinating. Because there was... I want to say there was a quote from Seal somewhere, you know, along the lines of album... Because I think Trevor produced the first three, right? I Um, think... It it was somewhere around...
1: Actually, I believe he he produced... um, all four, because okay. on the fourth album, the one that's on Spotify, each song has an introduction by Seal, and there are a couple of times when he mentions Trevor by name.
0: So it there was there was a quote somewhere in that, you know, two through four region where Seal said, I can't imagine anyone but Trevor Horn producing me. Now of course yeah. that didn't hold true because other people then Trevor Horn did end up producing him um, certainly for, uh, for a while there. But there, there, there was that sort of connection. Now this is interesting to me. And I think, you know, I think back to uh, it. I'm fascinated with Trevor Horn. I've always been fascinated with Trevor Horn and this sort of rejuvenation of his music career that seems to have coincided with, the Yes fifty thing. You know, yes,
1: be- I agree. Because I agree.
0: That, that was the first time you had seen Trevor on stage. And I wanna say was it just before or just after Yes 50 when Trevor lost all the weight, got back into fighting trim, and I, I wanna say it was after I I I wanna say at Yes fifty he didn't look so great. And then he showed up or when did they no, it was it was for Fly From Here Return Trip, the pictures of of Trevor in that album, he doesn't look so great. And then by the time Yes, 50 showed up, he had lost all the weight, looked really, really great, and, you know, from there, you know, presumably started doing things. I don't know what he was doing in the meantime. And so I wasn't really surprised when the Buggles showed up um, and it's really kind of cool that I guess he and Seal figured out a way to, you know, sort of get work together, if you will. And, you know, maybe Trevor just wanted to, you know, get out on the road and, and you know, capture some of the a nostalgia that, that goes with the Buggles. And I'm sure it was, financially speaking, a very easy decision to make when we are talking with Matt Dorsey, right? He was saying he wanted an opening slot on a tour because it it's good economic sense to bring along a guy with his computer, and so you know if yeah. if Trevor Horn wants to perform, you know he can he can help out his buddy Seal and perform at the same time, and the band's all the yeah. same. It you know you're it, I get it.
1: Uh, a quick scan, yeah, exactly. A quick scan through the wikis, Joe. It looks like Trevor Horn produced. What I'll say, all of SEAL's like, uh, like original content, um, mostly. Okay. There was, a uh, it looks like System uh, was uh, produced by a cat named Stuart Price. A lot of that other stuff, that Soul stuff, was done by David Foster. Oh, wow. Uh, SEAL 7 brought Trevor Horn back into the fold, and he did the standards with uh, Nick Patrick. So... So the bulk of, I would say, of Seals, if you don't mind me using this statement, real work, was <coughs> I was, do not um, mind. was definitely uh, produced by him. I, I want to say, and, and uh, like I haven't gone back to research this, but I feel like either for the second album or maybe it was the third. I know the second album, it was like a start and stop kind of situation. Uh, I think Trevor Horn was involved in that from the beginning, but I feel like Human Being, the third album was where seal started going off and doing something different and was did not work with trevor and you know he had some sort of artistic and personal crisis and that's when trevor kind of came in and saved the day and you know um really I, you know i'm sure people out there can correct us as they love to do but um i know there was some kind of uh something or other like that but it's it's so i think you're right joe it's like Trevor was not, you know, was looking like he had uh, you know, sat in the producer's chair a little too long. Uh when we saw him, I think, at Yes fifty or, you know, around that time. And he has sort of returned to his uh more fighting weight, as you said.
2: Um You know what? You guys refer to that. I, I just want to make sure that you've seen the two thousand four Princess Trust concert. If you haven't uh, it's it's just fantastic because there is a lot of Chris Squire on that stage, I think Trevor Raven on that stage. I think all the best of Trevor is is injected into that show, including Frankie Goes to Hollywood and whatnot. Mm. So uh, when, when when you talk about Prime Trevor, I want that uh, 2004 Prince's Trust concert to be part of the repertoire. Cool.
1: Yeah, I I mean I'm looking at those pictures now. You're right. It's looking,
2: looking pretty good.
1: Although I bet that at the 2004 show, some of his selections were probably not tuned down by a fourth or a fifth.
2: Nah, um, that's the secret of but listen, only heart, yeah. But
1: but listen, you know. All kidding aside, at least he he was standing and playing an instrument, right? Um, and uh, and I thought he sounded absolutely lovely like he sounded like Trevor Horn like obviously oh, yeah. yeah at 73 he wasn't he wasn't belting out the 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 highest of the highs but i felt like they had you know changed the keys to places that were very comfortable and he
2: he had that that Trevor Horn sounding voice that i thought was was beautiful Mm-hmm. But you called it. It sounded like uh, Matt, the guitarist, brought out a baritone guitar, and they just played "Owner of a Lonely Heart"
0: down a fourth or a fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is interesting. I, I just I just pulled up the the set list for this opening opening set. So we have we have two tribes. Of well, bo- from what
2: both it, both acts had like. a... Uh, an opening video with, with audio. I think we missed the video, but heard the audio. So there was a a canned track of highlights even before we heard the band start two tribes. Um, And it was really nice. It was
0: kind of like an overture. I just, I find it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind here and, and, you know, Trevor Horn obviously has a vast, and impressive resume but if you're going to tour as the buggles and open up with a frankie goes to hollywood song
2: I, it was incredible it just felt it, so it I, I, and i knew it was i knew it was two tribes and i was hoping that they were just gonna effing go for it and sing it but they 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 did instrumental for whatever reason really yeah, okay, was,
0: that's a little disappointing. Two Tribes is, is pretty killer. A lot of that Frankie Goes, it, goes to Hollywood album is, is pretty killer.
1: And it really, I feel like, I mean, the set was short. Yeah. It really kind of set the tone. And listen, we, we can say whatever we want to about the, the tuning and everything. Uh, Trevor Horn presented himself as just a a man full of humility, just tickled pink to be there, um, and tickled pink that people, you know, he even said, after the first round of applause and the first time he, you know, broke the mic to talk to the crowd, he sort of chuckled and said, you know, Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, I appreciate you coming early. You know, <laughs> I mean, it Aww. was, it was, he was, he was very sweet. Um, And like, there was absolutely no pre, pretension in, in him at all. It was wonderful. It was wonderful.
0: That is cool. So they open with two tribes. They then go into living in the plastic age Else Tree and I am a camera, which of course had a, a different life as into the lens with Yes. Mm-hmm. Then owner of a lonely heart and finishing up with Video killed the radio star. So I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm asking the question: Why is this performer called the Buggles when it should be Trevor Horn? Is it because the Buggles is the answer to the trivia question with Video Killed the Radio Star? And so there's a certain name recognition, like no one knows the name of a producer except people like us. Like, what... This is a Trevor Horn set. This isn't a Buggles set.
2: Agreed. Uh, Wonderful observation. Yeah, I I don't know that there is a mathematical formula here. I mean, you know, a a lot of these things just come down to human decisions. Maybe the promoter that they go through just liked the sound of a
0: buggles. I I mean, someone must have said there's value in that name. Listen, Um, it
1: it has... So I'll just share a little answer from my group at work. So um, the leadership team that I'm on, we have a group chat, right? And one day, someone casually uh, threw out... I'm getting started on this today, and they post to a song. It was a a link to a song. It turned out to be, um, I can't remember which song it was, but it was something off of Dulcinea,
0: Toad the Wet Sprocket.
1: And I went, ah, you know, and I write on Toad the Wet Sprocket, love the 90s, and somebody else went, grunge. And I I wrote, grunge, question mark? And then somebody posted a definition of grunge as if I was, like, too old to know what grunge was. (laughs) Ah! And and I had mentioned that I was well aware of what grunge was. However, I did not believe that, you know, toad the wet sprocket really can be considered grunge. And then we had this brief discussion and somehow uh something else came up and and somebody brought up the buggles, you know, from the eighties, right? Somebody started going into eighties, MTV, oh the next thing you know, someone's gonna post the buggles. And I said, I'm actually seeing the buggles next Friday when they open for seal and then someone posted, Oh my gosh, you would never expect to see seal open with
0: the buggles. And, <laughs> and we're thinking, and, of course you would.
1: <laughs> right. And so then I, you know, I, I flashed my little bit of, of, of knowledge. I said, well, you know, the lead singer of the buggles happens to be Trevor Horn, which produced most of seals albums, including the first two, which he's celebrating on that tour, which of course shut the group chat completely down. Because then they were like, "All right, we enough of you, Zodder." Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
1: so, um, but that is just an example of, you know, people saying if if it would have been sealed with Trevor Horn, maybe maybe we would have been the only ones showing up for yeah. the opening act. But the Buggles, everybody wanted to be there.
0: Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. So, so, what was the what's the band configuration? Trevor's playing bass and singing, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took names. Um,
2: Jamie Mahobarak is the one person that I can find on the Seal albums uh, in Wikipedia all around. The other musicians I could not really identify other than by the first names that Seal provided us and that Trevor provided us. So we, we've got... Um, Jamie Mahobarak on keys, a uh, Los Angeles based American musician who, who, who did kind of half his career with seal, but many other amazing, um, unexpected performances, including my chemical romance. Oh, nice. um, and the, the, uh, drummer. Was he from Berlin, Texas seal said, is there a I place th- called Berlin, Texas? He said that. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get his name. The guitar player was simply Matt with a cowboy hat. And, <laughs> and 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 the backing vocalist, uh Latanya didn't didn't catch a last name there and I couldn't find her on Google. Um so Oh Everett was the percussionist. Uh and the and he sang beautifully. The four of them, uh Trevor Horn, Latanya, Everett, and Matt on guitar had had Mostly three-part harmonies, occasionally something that looked like a four-part harmony, and then that, that configuration happened again with Seal. Uh, Trevor did not have a mic with Seal, uh, but the trio of Matt, LaTanya, and Everett worked so well together. Seal described that trio as my new friends. So apparently right. they had never toured together the uh, LaTanya-Everett-Matt combination. And 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 then the seal himself, Trevor, Jamie Mahabirak, and the drummer; th- those four uh, have a deep history together.
0: Interesting. Berlin, the, Texas the, is a suburb of Brennan, Texas. By the way, in case you're uh, um keeping track at home. Okay, so you know, now I've learned in, two new Brennan, cities: M, in texas excuse me, Bren-M with an uh, M.
1: Yeah. So for the Buggles, Trevor on on uh, it was basically Trevor based. Vocals, keyboard player, guitar player, drummer, uh, percussionist, and backing vocals. The percussionist and and backing vocals. It was hard to tell. I, th- I th- They definitely had some video uh, syncing going on. I don't know how much extra music they had, but I think they had some extra music happening um, as well.
2: Oh, like, like some uh, click track type yeah. stuff going yeah. on? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that helped with some of the video, I suppose, um, and just, you know, keeping the tempo on some of that.
1: Yeah, it was cool. Like, and, and it was like, like Joey, what you described was kind of like how it happened. We were walk, literally walking in as, a, as the show was beginning. We took our seats. They were playing Two Tribes. Then they went in and played two Buggle songs. He told us a little bit about L Street then he mentioned that you know everybody he said everybody who knows me knows i spent a little bit of time and yes i'm gonna do you know a song that you know the buggles originally wrote called i'm a camera you know it was a little different than into the lens we're gonna do the yep. buggles version then they busted into you know so they then they went into owner of a lonely heart and at that point you're like okay this is just the trevor horn <laughs> this is your life show and and then everybody got what they came for which was you know video killed the radio star and and the set was delightfully short and very well done and the band was 100% on it and when and you were finished you're like that was just my thing was my takeaway was like this is so delightful like it's just exactly what i wanted right i didn't want to be like overloaded with the entire living in the plastic age you know, re-reduce, right? I just, you know, it was great, and and it was just a, a really meandering sort of peaceful, delicious set that they did, and that kind of relaxed me. Which, which is then, and then, like, you know, to use your expression, the tumblers all fell when Seal comes out, and it's the same
2: band, and you're like, ah, oh, I, <laughs> you know, I see what's going on here. Right? Like, they, you need the just... physical, you need the physical perception um, here. There is a curtain. There is opening yeah. band in front yeah. of the curtain with minimal right. space, right? Right. right. So, oh, my so God. So You've got, so- <laughs> you've got <laughs> yeah. the same... You've got the same... The drummer is on the floor, right? Right, yeah. right. And, 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 and they're, all wearing, <laughs> they're all wearing different clothes. And, the, and then it, bam... Bam! the 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 the, the, key, the the percussionist and the keyboard player are on platforms. The drummer's on a platform. You know the guitarist has fancy clothes, but the same damn cowboy hat. I guess he never heard of Richie Sambora. And and then they just they just looked looked like a million bucks. Like somebody went out and got them all haircuts and spruced them up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they actually they actually squished them on front stage yes,
2: on, the, on the proscenium yes that, that, that was, is that is that is real that i
1: totally like forgot that that aspect of it can that, that is, is so absolutely
0: true. brilliant so i've got i've got a question because i recently fairly recently saw a flock of seagulls live which is an interesting thing but In the same sort of 80s electronic new wave sort of vein. And what really I found a little bit off-putting about that particular show was I was completely overloaded by huge, boomy, distorted bass. I felt like I was at a punk show. So the question that I have is what was sort of the sonic quality of this group and and I can imagine it was probably similar or or was it similar between The Buggles and Seal did it sound like an electronic group or was it trying to be more gritty and earthy like everyone is
2: I've I've got a rehearsed answer for this Joe I've thought about it for for days um, listen, uh, I was very sad during our porcupine tree discussion that I was in a balcony and I wasn't hearing the baselines, um, uh, as I had hoped to hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wh- I, I, I find that when I'm in some of these halls, particularly in balconies, I just get the wrong perception of the bass notes. They, 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 you know, they just reinforce in the wrong ways and uh, minimize or uh, defeat themselves in the wrong ways. I, I, I didn't feel like in the balcony that we were in. I was getting the right, you know, distribution of bass frequencies. I preferred it, but I mean, the volume was pretty perfect during the Buggle set and. Obviously, Trevor's bass lines were written by himself, or you know, maybe in one case Trevor Raven. But uh, it, it was all pretty well done, not too loud, and just perfect for Trevor. Um, once they got into the seal stuff, I think they had some programmed bass lines, some keyboard playing the bass lines, but 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 the kick drum was then louder, the bass was then louder. And I started hearing these things that I don't like hearing. Mm-hmm. And I, sh- I should never notice this stuff. Um, but I-, I started to notice the fact that, you know, you've got one kick drum with one tuning, and they're not changing the samples for every song like Genesis. And I'm actually, it's so loud that I'm hearing the difference between the kick drum tuning and the bass tuning, if that makes any sense.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. you can't possibly always put the kick drum into the right key, unless you're changing the samples constantly. And, and, and I'm not, I don't have perfect pitch. I'm, I'm, I'm average musician with a reasonable ear, but having been a bass player and whatnot, these things really, really tap my, my, or push my buttons. So, um, I got to a point where I was, you know, looking for those moments where it was more drums and less bass or no bass and there were plenty of times when 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 Trevor was playing and it sounded great because the kick hadn't come in yet um but once they got together and it was all in full force it did not work for me in a in a professional manner it was still just a little bit uh you know freshman or junior level interesting I'm so glad that ken eg went first
1: (laughs) um so you know ken first you know i'm sorry because i i bought the tickets in the balcony because there is a certain there is a certain point where if i'm on the floor that i and i can be just as far away but you know higher that i prefer higher Um, wow for two two reasons first of all because i like to see things better yeah and um you know you can you can generally see better if you're a couple rows up on the balcony versus like you know 35 rows back on the floor and i definitely do not hear the same things that you hear um in those two situations in fact most of the time when i'm at a live show i struggle to hear i mean this may not be fair to say overall because um like i feel like a lot of the shows that i've seen lately have been a little bit more heavy but I, I, I struggle to hear detail in the bass um, most of the time. I do not ever notice in a, in a larger place like that the difference in the tuning of the drum. I just assume that it's you know the kick drum just being too loud or too boomy. Yeah. Um, all of that being said, um, yeah. So the point is, is like that stuff I'm not hearing whether I'm down low or up high. It's probably the same thing for me. Um, I would have said that I thought the show in both instances of opening and uh, Buggles and for Seal sounded fucking awesome. And um, the it, it was very much to me like Trevor spent some time, you know, in the mixing board saying, OK, we, you know, we've got to make sure that we've got these sounds correct, this going on, everything. Um, I thought that it was done very well to um, to the to the record. And um, cool. while it still had live, while it still had the, the live the live feel to it, and and I and I will say like I thought like the bass, but this is the same as as it is for most shows for me is that the bass is often muddy, and yeah. not really punchy until it has to be, and that's you know and that's kind of one of the things that I liked about the show is that when, you know, anytime Trevor went up for a key bass line or bass run, you could hear it. It it poked through and it and it got there and I and I did like that. Um,
2: he did have a snazzy pedal board of some sort because when he needed to sound like he had just put fresh strings on, he sounded that way. You know, yeah, he, he could pull that sound out.
1: Yeah, he was he was cutting through nicely, and I think you're right. There probably was some some uh, keyboard synth stuff happening. One of the things that was very cool is the guitar player, particularly for Seal. He had some guitars that had a piezo acoustic sound, acoustic sample coming out of it. Um, I think Seal's guitar, when he played, had you know some sort of acoustic sound coming out, whether it was a sample or whether it was a yep. piezo pickup. Um, and yet, sometimes the guitar player picked up a, an acoustic and played an acoustic for the songs. So, so I I thought that the instrumentation was very true, and and yeah. you know we'll talk about it a little bit later how how some of it all came across, but. Um I I personally was very very pleased with the sound and like let's face it you're there to see Seal um it's the one of one of the shows where you want to hear the vocals
0: louder yeah. than anything else and you definitely did How is Seal's voice at this point
1: Oh man oh it is. man I ne- I never saw him Joe but I mean I think we talked about it after the show I mean I I don't think I mean I've been listening to the Seal the last two weeks and this week too and it it doesn't sound any different to me listening to the original recordings than it did amazing um catching him live and even the even like the like one of his uh uh first one I think the second song I was thinking ah you know he's getting warmed up it's a little uh, it's a little pitchy and then I you know listening to it this week I was like nope he was right on the money <laughs> it, it, he doesn't he doesn't go up to the note I thought he went up to um so Uh, yeah he he can sing and oh my gosh i was telling kathleen how inspiring it was to hear seal sing yeah and how many times in my own personal life he's been a vocal inspiration and i probably never even really understood it um and like just as an example like his voice is so pure and and like uh relaxed you know like a song like "Kiss from a Rose" right I mean it's a hard song to sing mm-hmm. number one because it's in a it's in a like a tricky range but there if you think about the lyrics for "Kiss from a rose they are the, everything is tight it it makes the consonants and the the mix of consonants and vowels um you are constantly closing your mouth and and you know you're tempted to close the back of your throat when you end words. And, and you're in a range that it's just hard to sing that song relaxed and you listen to him sing it and you're just like, motherfucker. I mean, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. And he re- he released a, a new, like a new single of kiss from a rose, which, you know, I've noticed a lot of bands are doing that when they tour you two, whomever they release a, a, a new version of their, of their, you know, classic songs. And the vocals are a little more tame, like mm-hmm. almost like they're preparing everyone. <laughs> we're going to tune down, you know, we're going to do this and, and seal released one. I was like, okay. And I was kind of thinking, I wonder what this show is going to be like. I wonder if he's going to reinterpret these songs. Oh no. He, he fucking went for it. Every single song and yep. nailed it.
2: I mean, now this is a guy who was a coach on the Australian show, the voice. And, uh... He was a winning coach on that show and, I mean, takes us all very seriously and enjoys mentoring other singers. I mean, he
0: he's an expert in the field, and th- this concert proves that. Yeah. Just looking at the set list, it's, I mean, and, and again, he was celebrating, you know, the first two albums sort of in tandem. The set list is, if you'll excuse me, killer baller <laughs> <laughs> out of the gate crazy yeah out of the gate just right right up front hey we're here now uh that's that's incredible yeah followed by the beginning deep water and whirlpool and into future love paradise i mean five songs in i would have been spent i think
1: it yeah and i was glad that he didn't like you know they're they're mostly in order but like coming out, like you know, Ken, you said it. Like I heard you say, out of the gate, right when he finished it, like uh, no one was expecting. Like I didn't know if he was going to play the albums in order, how he was going to do it. Like because I've heard Tears for Fears do that, and it, it's kind of it's kind of lame. And it just when that when they started, and and you know, Ken mentioned that that you know there was a montage at the beginning, and his montage was. Very tongue in cheek. He made a lot of fun of himself, a lot of a lot of things, you know, about like people not understanding his lyrics and and um, and you know, funny things that have been that he has said or other people have said and and then so every, it was very lighthearted. And you're like, okay, this guy's just cool. He's not taking himself too seriously. And then to just like come out lights out with crazy, which, <laughs> like, which is like you know one of his best hits. It's just you're just like, who does that? So good. So good, and it and it did. Like if you look at the set list and you see, you know, what ended it, right? It does sort of bookmark the set with his, you know, arguably his two biggest
0: hits, right? Which is kind of, which is kind of cool how he did that. I thought. You're talking about "Killer" and "Kiss from a Rose" for the main set. Yeah. Well, so
1: yeah, he's opened with "Crazy" and then ended with "Kiss from a Rose," right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think this. Killer a bigger hit than Crazy, Joe? Do you think?
0: Is Killer a bigger hit than Crazy? I, th- oh. I feel I like think Crazy so. is
1: the Crazy is the one that got him really on the map, though, wasn't it? I thought. Yeah, yeah Crazy got him on. the Yeah,
0: map. yeah. I think you're probably right. I just have always liked Killer a little bit more. Killer,
1: yeah, Killer is great, and I well, think we'll get to it. Was, we'll get to it. I
2: guess I don't know. Yeah,
0: I yeah. mean, I, I don't remember if Killer was the first video and Crazy was the one that made him big, but.
2: I mean, really, all that matters, is he in the book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die? Uh, That's true, Ken. Good question. (laughs) 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 I mean, far from us not to pull
0: up a tired trope on the (laughs) palaver. Ken, I am embarrassed. I did not think to ask that question myself. So let's see here. As we turn to this most sacred of tomes, um, mm-hmm. what do we have here? No seal.
2: That is no remarkable. Seal. That is just absolutely remarkable. <sighs> this Not man just, he oozes love everywhere he goes. that That's kind of what you have to know. Um, I, I got a similar vibe from, you know, Shaky Graves or... Um yeah, Shaky Graves was just absolutely just pleasant, like on a level that I hadn't even anticipated. Um the thing about seal, like y- you do have the kind of sexy club vibe with the pounding bass that mm-hmm. could be that could be chock full of attitude, but he generally doesn't approach these things with attitude. Like he talks the language of love, and he sells the language of love, and I think he kind of lives that way. You know, even though it could be full of attitude, it's 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 just so pleasant. Um, I, 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 I'm I'm kind of in awe, you know that 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 yeah. that, that that he that he's able to live, th- you know. Music isn't an easy business. <laughs> if he wanted to be a little bitter, he could. But he, God, the
0: man is not bitter. And, and that's cool to hear. And, and it's interesting you, you describe it that way. Because there was always, at least in the beginning, I think by the time, you know, by the time maybe the second and third album came out. But there was, there was sort of a little in... When seal first hit the first hit the scene with the first album, the first two, I believe the first two tracks that came out of that were crazy and killer and the look he had with with the with the yeah. wild hair and the the long trench coats it was it was a very aggressive look and feel to it. and when you know seal 2 came out, you start getting kiss from a Rose um, and some of the other songs. Uh, where are they you know prayer for the dying don't cry things like that um you you almost start to get the the initial impression that (laughs) oh god seals selling out but i think you're right i think what what you have is seal being seal (laughs) yeah
1: so i i wow joe you shocked me with that statement um
0: did i (laughs)
1: Yes. So I, I wanna take a stroll back to to the day. So Seal's second album. So so let's so so you know, Joe, you made me some some mixtapes. And I think on one of my favorite ones of all time was A Few Things Better Than Pinto Beans, I think is what you
0: titled it. That was a good and, one.
1: And and um Deep Water was on that one. And that is when I you know listening to that song on that tape is when I realized that I had um, missed the boat under underestimated seal, and I had to go back and 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 listen. So I, I liked the first album, but I don't think I liked anything, you know, more than deep water. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was like I was like, wow, that was like my gateway. I wanna say that when SEAL two came out, I wanna say you bought me that C D, Joe. <laughs> That's very nice if I did. I think you bought, think you bought me that. And and I, I could be wrong, but I think you bought me that because you said you need to have this. And you sent it to me. And, you know, I had seen Prayer for the Dying video on MTV. And, you know, Prayer for the Dying was, you know, his his single. And I will never forget the night that I popped that CD in my disc player and I'm listening in the stereo And I first heard Don't Cry. And I, I, for the first course of Don't Cry. And I just literally like melted in my bed. And I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe the vocals. I couldn't believe the the sounds. I couldn't believe the fucking snare sound. (laughs) And thank you, Trevor Horn. (laughs) And, and I went about my way listening to Seal's second album, burned on cassette in my car. For, I don't know how long, a very long time. And really to much, uh, kind of like on my own, like every other band I listen to, right? And then this Batman movie came out, and the credits, they put Kiss from a Rose had to have been months and months after the album was. And that is what thrust him all of a sudden to, you know, not that he wasn't known, but that is really what thrust him into... And that because that was a mega mega hit for him, huge. And and so like, I, I, and I and so I'm telling you that story and sharing that with you because number one, I feel like the Seal's second album is as close to a perfect album as I've ever heard. I, oh. I mean, going back to it now and listening to it, I'm just like, oh my god, it still is just unbelievable. And number two, I I never felt like there was an ounce of sellout and seal even with the second album like it was just like
0: and and, and i'm not suggesting that we would feel that way i'm suggesting some may feel that way but there's certainly there in in what i guess what i'm trying to say is there certainly was a progression and and maybe i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say but i think that it's no
1: duke that's for sure it's no it's no
0: duke (laughs) it's no invisible touch but i mean the, the the first album is very aggressive the second album is much less so and he kind of fair enough fair enough goes that way but but he does manage to maintain you know i think to ken's point the sort of appropriate amount of club mentality which is very cool like he 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 sort of walks this line um between different genres uh, not in the way that we normally yeah. see on the palaver uh, but it it certainly is you know he's in a couple different places at once which is very cool.
1: I I'm kind of I'm kind of with you here. Yeah, cuz I think the way that I always think of it is that the first album was like seal the musician, the band, the electronic, the fusion of all that is good in, you know, music. And and then after that album, it was always about vocals after yeah. that. It's like they realized, "Hey, you know what? This motherfucker can sing. Let's <laughs> Let's focus on that.
0: I think that's a really good way to describe it. But, you know, so the, you know, according to you guys, the drum and, or kick drum and and bass sounds potentially aside, the overall sound was consistent and appropriate with the recorded material?
1: It it was yummy. It was yummy from my perspective. all All the things that Ken said, uh... I, I respect, but I, I, I did not. I loved it. I, I thought it was sounding great. Here is something that I did not like. Um, the entire show was accompanied by what I'm going to say incongruent sometimes and repetitive, off-colored. And I mean like off-colored by like the color schemes were awful videos oh. behind Seal and the band, which were highly distracting throughout the entire show. I had to force myself not to
0: watch them. They were so bad. Were they Were they definite images or just sort of like kaleidoscopic colors?
1: No, they were they were definite images. Some of them were his videos, like his music videos, that were kind of playing in the background. But they were discolored and like sort of uh, overexposed, whatever mm, you know, all those okay. effects yeah. to make it look whatever. It was, it, but uh, but like "Don't Cry" was a wonderful example. It was just like these images of men and women with their hands on their faces like they were crying and it was like this is one of the most beautiful songs of all time and like I'm forcing myself to like not look at the screen behind you know (laughs) behind the band because it just it just didn't seem like it fit to me it was like some it was like literally somebody they said hey you need to come up with a video for this long you know go go to it you can use this this stuff just you know and they just made a loop and it just kept looping
2: didn't yeah like, i concur like that, that I, I concur that some of that became uh distracting now not everyone can be as uh discerning as Stephen wilson and porcupine tree but they had similar things going on but the uh loops probably cycled through less and and, and the quality of the animation was probably a bit better And the intensity of the video was probably muted, such that it was going on behind the band, but it was something that you could ignore. Um, It's definitely a a, a common technique uh, that, you know, didn't, didn't manifest in the best possible way for this particular SEAL show. Yeah, it
1: didn't really enhance the performance at all, I don't think. Yeah, like it does with Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson
0: and and the the like. Shout out to herd (laughs) culling.
1: And and one of the other things about that is that, um, you know, part of the sound, um, particularly for Seal, was, you know, many of the songs, if not all of them, you know, they were all in ears. They were uh, to a click and there were record there was recorded music like if you think of some of the um you know like some of the big stringy parts that happen mm-hmm. you know throughout both albums right those were there um and they and they were there you know through you know the band playing um playing on and it was it was it was really fun and it was really cool and one of my i don't know if it was my favorite part but it was it was one of the more memorable moments for me in the night was on the song fast changes there was a there was a problem sinking to whatever right so the guitarist played came out and this is this is again it's like one of my you know one of my favorites like this is one of the songs that i end up you know not listening to the album for however long and then one day i'll just be walking down the street and i'll just start singing fast changes right because it's just and and so the guitarist had the acoustic guitar and he's playing through the parts and seal starts singing and then all of a sudden the guitar goes away and there's like a sort of a stop and the rhythm the the percussionist was just kind of keeping time and seal kind of went like he's like it's okay he's like i kind of like that like you know he was just being mr cool mr mr showman and and so the percussion kept going, and nobody knows what's going on. Like as as, a, as, a, as the fans, we're just like you know, oh, the guitar player screwed up or whatever. And so the guitar. Player, I didn't even like,
2: perceive that much. I I I thought maybe, like, a click was supposed to start or something, and it didn't. Like 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 yeah, it's, it was easy for the drummer to vamp. Yes, but the but the guitar player. Actually needed structure. So when he got the end of his structure, there wasn't anything to do other than like either the rest of the band was supposed to come in or the click was supposed to come in.
1: It, yeah, whatever happened, I don't. It wasn't the band. It was because it was a, it was part of the song still, where it was just him, you know, him and Seal doing their thing with a little bit of percussion in the background. But I do think some of that percussion is that sort of um, Middle Eastern percussion, and a yep. lot of that, a lot of that was. Um, was piped in, right? So so like the the drums that make those those sounds. Um and so so wh- what happened Joe is that they just kind of vamped and Seal kind of sang along and they they kind of started the song again, right? So they they go through the song and sing the they go first through the verse,
2: f- first verse and chorus and then they kind of do it all chorus,
1: again, right? And he starts singing the second verse and and i lean over to kathleen and i go man whatever happened like he sang the first verse again and and you know she was like whatever and they did the first verse again and the first chorus again and then they did the second verse and that's when i was like aha okay they they got it they got it locked in right so it was very cool like no one even really knew that it happened and then like when they got to that big part in the middle where all the the like I call him the Led Zeppelin cashmere mm-hmm, strings mm-hmm, come mm-hmm, in and mm-hmm. everything like that, right? Like, you know, everything was in sync and the strings were probably a little too loud actually. But it was it was just such a cool it was just such a cool vibe. And it goes to what Ken was saying about, you know, Seal, how, you know, he's just like Mr. Love and he's just a cool cat and he just um he embraced that situation and just kinda led the band through whatever it was they needed to get through to get get to the song and um and the song you know actually was you know a, a, they did such a great version and that's another song where it's just like vocally like just when you think like he's not going to do something he does something amazing and it's it was just um
0: that that was that was a, a cool night a cool, cool part of the night it's really fascinating because i'm i'm looking at Set List fm and normally if there's a, a complete reset, it will usually be notated in yeah. set list FM. When Ken and I were doing the Duran Duran show, for instance, that was yeah. that was noted. There was no note in this set list it, it, about and the that. The thing
1: is, is that yeah, it there was no reset. They just kept playing the song. They just kind of played like the seven inch version of it, right? <laughs> you know, with an extra first verse. It was, it was
0: That's very great. cool. I absolutely love it
2: it it made me really adore the song and 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 i mean following that killer it, it says here on setlist fm seal into the crowd oh yeah boy was he into the crowd <laughs> you know he comes out with a couple of bodyguards but they're not necessarily close to him and he's just just walking it and there's a spotlight on him and and I I, I don't even know how this passes insurance company muster, but he he gets up on the chairs and he's walking across a whole row. He's kicking people out of their chairs Ah. with his love. (laughs) He is. And he's he's a big human. Yeah. He's not tiny. He had he had a
1: couple of security guards. I mean, he was bigger than the two guards. Like he (laughs) like I I mean, they were like he was holding on to them. And I was like, I don't if they if he falls, I don't think they can catch him. I I think they're going down. (laughs)
2: oh man it was so good and and he just didn't miss a beat just singing all the parts and the backup singer didn't miss a beat she was coming in with him on uh, on those parts so good uh and 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 you know obviously the audience is just just really pumped and we're in a great spot in the balcony to look down and see all of this sure yeah yeah he's so he he, he, oh, and, and, and my coworkers, Paul, talking about the whole coworkers thing, my, my coworkers were like, oh, Seal, he must be old. I'm like, you have no idea. He's in his <laughs> 60s. And it, it, you,
0: you can only hope to do what this man does in his 60s. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk. Uh, we haven't we haven't touched on the Bayou Music Center in Houston, Texas. What kind of what kind of facility is this? I, I've never been.
1: I found it to be somewhat reminiscent of the Fillmore, maybe a little bit bigger than okay. than the Fillmore.
0: Cool, but kind of
1: same setup: big floor, big big you know ba- balcony.
0: Yep.
2: It, they didn't have the palatial chandelier kind of ceiling stuff going on that the Fillmore yeah. has, and the balconies weren't quite so there's something very high and austere about the balconies of the Fillmore. I'm wondering if the Bayou can host a basketball game.
0: Hmm. It,
2: it had a more functional appeal to it. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. I forget yeah. where we're, we're going to see, we're going to Houston to see King's X, but it's not at the Bayou. I forget where exactly it is, but. Oh yeah.
1: That
2: would, it would be way too big for the, yeah. For King's X. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Yeah, I determined that Bryan College Station is just an extended, far-off
0: suburb of Houston,
2: <laughs> which, which would really offend a lot of Texans.
0: But it, it, it probably would. Uh, Bryan College Station is is weirdly located in that it's it's like literally almost in the center of the DFW, Austin, and Houston, you know, uh, metropolitan areas, and that means it's kind of in the middle of nowhere but it's closest to houston um and and so it and it i think it does share a certain feel dfw and austin have generally different feels than houston and and bcs do so nice Mm
2: -hmm. and and uh there was such a good showing for seal and houston uh Yeah, I guess, you know, there are some artists uh, either don't tour the South or don't do well in the South, and and this is a universal artist that has, you know, no problem digging up the Houston audience.
0: That's a really good point. So, Seal was well-received. How were the Buggles received by the Houston, Texas audience?
1: We loved them. I I felt like, you know, one of of the better opening crowd, uh, you know, opening band crowd responses. Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I think the
1: I think, you know, I think there were a lot of people who knew what was going on
0: there. So I, I think, I think there's a lot of sort of 80s nostalgia, which again, back to the way we opened this episode, I think that's where the, the Buggles name comes from. You know, when, when we saw a flock of seagulls, which, you know, it, it was, it was fascinating that show. Uh, a flock of seagulls was very well received, even though they didn't sound like a flock of seagulls, but that's okay. The there were two opening acts. One was a Depeche Mode tribute act, which was in a lot of ways better than a flock of seagulls. And they were really great. But even before that, there was a group of very young men named the Plum Boys, who were, you know, just wearing white plastic shades and dressed in, in goofy eighties gear, um, playing a wide variety of things. And all three acts got wild responses from this group of people in, in Fort Worth, no less. It was like literally in the stockyards. The last place you would expect to, to have a <laughs> lot of of eighties nostalgia feel, but it was it was palpable. So very, very cool. Um I'm I'm, I'm I'm so glad that you guys got to see this show and I'm, I'm a little jealous that I did not, but there were, there were other things going on, but that wasn't the only thing that you gentlemen had time to do in Houston, Texas. Was it? It, It's not, but before we move on, Joe, can I just, can
1: I just say a couple more things?
0: Oh yeah, sure.
1: So one of the things that I wanted to say is like, I've never seen seal live. So ever since I heard kiss from a rose, I imagined what that would sound like live, right? Because there's just so many overdubs. There's, there's orchestras, there's, you know, 150 SEALs. I don't think I'll ever say too many SEALs on an album. Because, <laughs> there's, there's not uh, too many, but there's a there's lot There's not of them. too many, but there's a lot. And, and like, it, it, it simply goes back to how amazing SEALs' voice is and the, the backing vocalist, right? There's, you know, um, Letitia?
2: LaTanya. La- La- La-
1: La- La- LaTanya. LaTanya. Latanya, and then the, the the other band members who who would add in from time to time, right? Like nothing about the backing vocals in the recording of "Kiss from a Rose" is there to protect Seal from you know any any problems that he may run into in a show, right? To thicken it up, it is all there for a purpose. And when they performed "Kiss from a Rose," it sounded like the band they were playing to to a backing track of the orchestra you know so you could get the oboe in there and everything like that right but two or three people singing on stage and it sounded every bit as giant and monster as as really rewarding. and I thought that that really demonstrated like the just the ridiculous amount of vocal prowess that that seal has especially when I you know I think that's one of his hardest songs to to sing
0: absolutely you know
1: also that song probably um, actually, probably did win in the most annoying background video category. Um,
0: it <laughs> I'm was gonna have of, to go on YouTube and see some of these videos. It
1: was sort of the Batman video. It was like his video from the from when that was released with mm-hmm. the Batman scenes, but it was in a, like a red wash, I guess, as a rose or whatever. And it just it was just didn't
0: fit at all. I'll never um, forget that video. Now that you mentioned it. sorry to interrupt. Paul, but like there was, there's a, there's a scene like where this, the music cuts out. And I believe that was from uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, if I remember correctly, I think it was. And, and, and Michael Keaton does one of these twists of the head and winds up in profile as the music like kind of (laughs) pauses. Sorry. (laughs) That's funny. I do that.
1: I remember that. That's awesome. The, um, so after that they did the encore and they did, he did two tracks from, seal's fourth album Mm -hmm. and so i said in passing to ken that you know human beings which is the third third seal record is if you know maybe you could categorize that as more of his sophomore effort and um and i think for whatever reason that album i don't think the songs ever became fully developed the way that that they have in other albums um but the fourth record is a mix of him like Back to some of the soul and dance, you know R and B sort of stuff, and get it together. It's not not one of my more favorite songs, but it was perfect for an encore, right? But he ended the night with the song "Love's Divine," and if you don't know the song, you have to spend a little bit of time with it. It's produced magnificently. His voice is, uh, you know, just crazy good. And the song is you know everybody's been through rough times, everybody's pulled themselves out, and everybody's you know found redemption of some sort. This is the song that you sing you know when that happens and and when you've you've found redemption and um and it is it is so powerful, and he said it basically like this is what it's all about, it's all about love and um ending on that song was i, I mean I couldn't have asked for for anything better than that and i just you know found
0: it to be spectacular excellent ken any closing thoughts on the seal show itself
2: oh absolutely wonderful and, and i'm sure my my bass and drum observations only happened on two songs and i'm blowing it out of proportion but it's it, it, it is a theme with me and balcony so let's leave it there
1: it's good to know for future reference when i buy extreme tickets ken i'll make sure i get us on the
2: floor <laughs> There you um, go. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> not every show can I be on the floor uh right in front of Billy's base cabinets. Let's let me put it that way. That's go. fair.
1: It's kind of like it's kind of like that show sideways, you know, where the two guys go to wine country and Ken's the guy noticing all of the 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 tones in the wine and the flavors and I'm like, "Yeah, that one's pretty good."
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, but but seeing Seal in the Buggles wasn't the only thing that you guys had time for. You had time for a little progressive palaver follow-up adventure beforehand. Where'd you guys go? Rothko Chapel. The Rothko Chapel. The Rothko Chapel. Now we did a, a whole episode on, on my sort of frantic experience in the Rothko Chapel. How did you guys find it? What were your thoughts and, and feelings? having seen the 13 black paintings.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. I I wish I had listened to our, our podcast so I could have refreshed my memory about all of the things. But um, one of the things that I found funny was I I didn't appreciate how it was just kind of jammed in a neighborhood, Mm. like all the pictures with the wide angles make it look like there's a big long, you know, park in front of it. Right. This and like, you know, um, but as far as being inside i i really just found it um to be you know kind of like we talked about like i just found it to be a very peaceful introspective place you know a, a place where you first walk in and you say okay there's black paintings on the wall and then you spend some time looking at them and looking at them at different angles and looking at them in different lights and you see different things and and you begin to understand You know, whatever whatever is in your mind, you start to understand that a little bit better. And I think that I I think it's a metaphor for that exact sort of thing about life, right? How it's easy for us to prejudge, it's easy for us to have a bias going into something. But you know, if you look at it a little differently, you start to see things uh, for how they really are. And um, and and I found that to you know to be pretty pretty cool. It's it's odd to me that it's a place that i would like to go back to i wish i could just go back you know every saturday morning for 20 minutes you know or something like that it was it was interesting it was not a it was so cool but it you know maybe this is kind of your experience too joe it wasn't sort of like a wow you know i just did that i just experienced that um kind of thing
0: yeah my my feeling when I went there was I was more in awe of being in the place that inspired Peter Gabriel than of the place itself. Like I, I I was thrilled that, you know, Peter went there and, and was moved to, to do 13 black paintings and I'll never ever forget, you know, the 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 moment of epiphany with that song just before we recorded that episode and then figuring out that the chapel existed. And so I was compelled to go there for that. But I mean, by my own admission, you know, I didn't fully get it. And I would like to myself to go back and, and spend more time and, and contemplate in maybe a more relaxed setting. I think part of my problem was I was too busy trying to be Mr. Reporter and, and catalog every experience and, and site that I saw uh, to be able to, you know, create content for it than I was to be, I was not in the moment as it were. Kenny G um, what were your thoughts?
2: Although I did not have time to re-listen to our episode, uh, we did go to the visitor center first and, and the materials at the visitor center were enough to bring back the memories of what you had shared, because it goes into the Damon and to Rothko himself and kind of the origins of it. And most interesting, there was a dedication, uh, of the broken obelisk, mm. Um, that was supposed to happen, but it, at the time, the Houston City Council wouldn't dedicate it to MLK, Martin Luther King. So um, that's when I think the Damon Ailes just purchased the obelisk and did with it what they would. So, So those stories did impact my trip. And I like the fact that the... The chapel and the associated uh, Menil Museum are in a neighborhood which means that they're within walking distance of of many people and the grounds can be used by communities. I love the fact that that chapel space features chamber music from time to time and yoga and other type events when they can fit that in outside of the, the tourist hours so as as a whole it's a great asset like any city would would pride itself in that and no doubt houston does personally jumping into the in the moment going in there of course i'm absorbing the tones of purple green and yellow i mean uh, i i'm assuming we're looking at oil um, I believe paintings, so. Be- because all, all all of the the prism effects that you get when you stare at these in the right light are are um, you know uh, tones of, of 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 what you would see in an oil, and uh, it is it is rather colorful when you you catch these black paintings uh, at the right angles. I would love it as this site is maintained and and funded and and growing um i suppose rather than forcing your your audience to attend on different days with different natural light uh they 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 could install led lights that would simulate natural light Mm -hmm. and 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 bring out a wider range of colors so they, they 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 could put the light on a 20 minute cycle such that if you're in the chapel for 20 minutes, you would see very, very dark tones and you yeah. would also see very bright tones. Um and they, they could also simulate seasons and 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 whatnot, different angles of the sun. Uh, obviously it would erase the homey, you know, feeling of of working with natural light, but it would give you the intended um presentation that mark mark rothko had because i'm I'm guessing that only 10 or 20 percent of the tourists actually catch the intention of the artist you know the full range of what he was full range of what he was delivering and and i'm not done yet um when 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 in this space i had a a flashback to one of my they, they they had um pillows on the floor little little in addition to the benches they they had spots where you could do a meditation kind of a thing in front of the primary uh painting in the front uh and as soon as i thought about that like doing a meditation in this room i had a flashback to a a training i had and the moral of that story is yoga is a wonderful thing but Hundreds of thousands of yogis were slaughtered by the British troops. Mm. And there's, there is such a balance between, you know, finding your passion and finding it is what, what it is that you believe in, um, understanding human rights, civil rights, and, and the path of the human being, and then self preservation. Um, and, and believe in something and pursue it as far as you can go but don't die for it that that story from um just a wonderful uh teacher that i had at krupalu up in uh massachusetts uh hit me when i thought about you know the civil rights mission of the damon eels and rothgill and whatnot um you
0: know you want to make an impact and not die for it yeah not related more to the, the art of, of Rothko himself. After that experience where I got to go there, I did um, on Twitter. I think there's a feed for Rothko's art. And so I've, since we've done that episode and since I've been in the chapel, I've been exposed to a much greater sampling of Rothko's art. And I'm still not, going to claim that I get it, but I certainly have been exposed to more and I, I think I'm on the right path. So that's kind of cool. Oh, really? Yes. You found some more. I did. Yeah. He's had a bunch of stuff and then, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is related, but it's very different. And, you know, I find the whole thing and the, you know, I think to your point, Ken, the the mission of of the chapel itself to be very compelling. And so even if I don't quote unquote fully get it, um, I can very much appreciate what it's supposed to do. And I, I think it's, I don't know, it's, like I said, it's such an unexpected facet of the music that we love so much that I just kind of geek out on it well I'm glad you guys got the opportunity to to see and and do that stuff and have a little bit of um, you know palaver um, excitement on your trip which was very very cool
1: it all paled in comparison to the main event though Joe
0: <laughs> did it well that's good I am uh, I'm glad that everything this past weekend went as well as it did. And certainly glad that you guys were able to, you know, attend, and um, you know, I'm glad you were able to get back home without too much of a hassle. There,
1: there was, there was a, a, a there were many palaver moments uh, during the night of your wedding. Uh, many, many provided uh, by you in the soundtrack uh, of the evening. But perhaps my favorite one was when. We were stepping out back for cigars, and I was following Tom. And, you know, we opened the door, and as we opened the door to go outside, like we both come to the realization that jet city woman is playing uh, and, and Tom turns around and he gives me the eyes. He's like, Oh, like, oh. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: there, like I was, I was telling Ken, before you joined, there were, there were quite a few, uh, palaver nuggets in that playlist. And so I was hoping that at some point in the night, you guys would have one or more of those, um, sort of experiences. So I'm, I'm glad that one, uh, that one happened. That's fantastic. So gentlemen, I think that brings us to the end of our special concert series, uh, episode on seal and the buggles with a little dash of Rothko chapel thrown in gentlemen, as always appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Fantastic. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at PraguePala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is Prague Pala, that's Progpala, that's P R O G P A L A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.